Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. It's 2021, time to take a trip to the moon. In the year 1902, people on Earth were writing penny farthings and getting boners if they saw some ankle. But men were dreaming of the stars. Penny farthing? Let's do Bicycle with the big wheel at the front. Radio, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why you young whippersnapper? You've got all the hijinks on tap. I've always got the hijinks on tap. Yeah. I don't that's think... what they say about me. They say, oh, look, he's got the hijinks on tap. <laughs> I, I don't think that was actually proper old-timey speaking. <laughs> what anyway. the fuck that was? <laughs> I was trying to work something out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're, we're getting into the... I think, I think this legitimately is the first science fiction film. But Wikipedia lists it as such. Okay. I mean, maybe someone did something in the garage. But hey, George Belays did this in his garage too, more or less. <laughs> which is uh, 1902's A Trip to the Moon, which features A Trip to the Moon. Yeah. <laughs> that, it's like that basically like is the plot summary already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what was weird? Like, you're watching it. And it's like, oh, okay, this predates us having any knowledge of anything. <laughs> Yet they're filming it. <laughs> it's a weird space to be in. They had some knowledge of things. I think, I assume they knew most of this was bullshit when they were making it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's for funsies, right? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, at this point in time... It it's more of a surrealist art thing than an actual, like, science thing. Well, when they made this out, like, you know, H.G. Wells and Jules Verne was still the new stuff, you yeah. know? <laughs> you hadn't really split your science fiction and your fantasy yet right. at all. So it's all... all broiled up together for you in this one yep um but yeah yeah uh, I, I guess the first the first straight up first movie was like watch out here comes a train and then i, I guess uh, the great train robbery is 1900 you're more knowledgeable about okay. this period than i am okay I, I guess i know my silent movies anyway, anyway the, the first narrative film was like two years before this so this is pretty straight up front Right. Um, the one we were watching today uh, is a restoration from uh, about eight years ago, I think 2012. It said 2010 was when they finally had it. Okay. Yeah. We did the start of the film when we watched it had a little explanation of how it was made. Yeah, yeah. So the cut we were watching today was um, scored, uh, a re recent restoration scored by Air, the, the French electronic band. That was kind of groovy. And has... I'm now wondering if, because you said Air... Known for the song Sexy Boy. Yeah. I don't think it is the same song I was thinking Sexy of. Sexy Boy. Well, it's a good song. You'll like it. Uh, oh, I'm sure it will. But I don't think it's the same as the Shawn Michaels theme, Sexy Boy. <laughs> okay, maybe not. But uh, yeah, this one, and the one we saw was uh, kind of hand-tinted, which I always like to see a weirdly colorized silent film. It just, it looks trippy. Like I the... like it when it was done at the time. 
Well, it's stuff like King Kong they've gone back and colorized since. I'm not a fan of that. Oh, no, that's annoying. Just colorizing this. But the idea with early silent films often was let's hand tint this thing, you know? Right, so yeah, it looks yeah. Cool. Uh, this one apparently was hand tinted at the time. They kind of had to redo it recently. Okay. Um, but, but the whole effect. Um, I, I have obsessions with like old Coney Island. So, you know, it's all burnt down for 100 years now. But, uh, you know, for me, this is kind of like going in that weird Coney Island attraction at Luna Park or something. So if I time travel, you know, the Chicago 1890 World's Fair or something like that's probably where I'd end up. 1893, something like that. Yeah, the song I'm a Sexy Boy, which plays when Shawn Michaels enters the ring, was written by Jimmy Hart, performed by Shawn Michaels oh, and Sherry Mattel. Oh, he, he does the spoken word bits and she does the sexy boy. Maybe, maybe they were like riffing off the air song. I mean, sexy boy. No, because that, that's from 1992. Oh, okay. You don't, it, It's a phrase people use. Yeah. <laughs> you can't claim the phrase sexy boy. Well, yeah, but you can claim it, the song sexy boy. Yeah. Um, this doesn't have sexy boys. They, they send pretty old men to the moon. Yeah, that's one of the weirdest points is like, I mean, I guess they were going like around the world in 80 days kind of explorers rather than like rugged, adventurous, discovering the new world explorers. But even in 1902... You knew that men like that didn't do your exploring, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, uh, uh, let's give the quick plot summary. Someone figures out how to shoot a space gun at the moon. A bunch of old men get into, like, a, a capsule and get blasted towards the moon and hit it in the eye. And immediately just decide to have a night's sleep before they do any exploring. Yeah. Then <laughs> Why they, did they launch it in the morning? <laughs> then they wake up, start murdering some of the natives. The natives get pissed. Uh, they run away from the natives. They get back into their capsule. Fall they, back to Earth. They fall off of the flat moon back to Earth. And then, like, everyone has a party because they came back. Yeah. That's where the air soundtrack really worked out nicely. That did sound like a party with the uh, air's music. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's the plot summary. But uh, I, I've seen this a few times. I mean, I've probably seen it like three times, to be honest. But uh, this was your first time, so. I do, I like, I'm riffing, but I did kind of like it. The, um, like the, their vision of the scientists is like alchemists. They got wizard hats on. They like convert some metal bars into chairs to sit down and stuff. Um, so like Matt was saying at the start, it really does have that, this is before science fiction and fantasy were two separate things. So like, your vision of space scientists is just wizards. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's generally entertaining. The main problem is they were like, oh, we have moving actors, we can just leave it on them for like 30 seconds at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opening scene is just like excruciatingly two minutes of just some old dudes wiggling in a room. <laughs> it's like, which I'm sure was like enough of a novelty in 1902. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, get to the space stuff. But yeah. actually, like, the effect shots and stuff are really funky. They're very imaginative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were talking about the, the perspective just being, like, totally bizarre. Yeah, the scenes where, like, there are houses in front of the actors, but they're, like, the size of the actors' feet. It's like the actors, the actors, the houses, they don't need to be there at all. It could yeah. literally just be, like, black there. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> it could be, like, the side I of the stage. I guess they were just trying to get across that these guys are on a rooftop, but... Mm. <laughs> I guess, right... This is before film was a thing, right? So, in a, on theatre, that's what you do. You have things to suggest something. Whereas now we're used to films, they're not taking the perspective of you are the audience at the theatre, they're taking the perspective of you are there in the room. Right. Whereas this was being made at a time where all they had to go on was theatre. So you're not supposed... The camera isn't literally there at this place. You're seeing a like reenactment of it. 
Mm. So that's why things like the perspective, things like when you see the stars, instead of trying to actually show you stars like you see in the night sky, they are, you know, five-pointed pentagons. With faces. In they have world. faces in them and then they show you the constellation and stuff. <laughs> because this is interpretive. It's not... It's, it's a theatre production. Yeah. More so than it's a... And what we think of as a film. You said you had not seen Scorsese's Hugo. Uh, mm. And it's been quite a while. I've probably watched A Trip to the Moon a few times since I've watched Hugo. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's not a bad movie, but it's not a revisitor so much, for me at least. But um, it, it tries to at least reenact the making of this kind of movie. And this one specifically, I believe, too. But, uh, you know, it basically just he's in his, where, his garage, so more like a large warehouse space. And they just... Mm build these sets and do things and move on to the next one. And he's, you know, uh, if the movie is at all accurate, which it may not be, but, you know, just let's make it as fantastical as possible. But I, I think that comes through in this movie. So it's right. not that much of an extrapolation. But I, I think it would have been at this time, it would have been like, oh, here's this new kind of play where the things are recorded in advance so they can do more things. Yeah. Whereas now, like, we, of course, think of something on the theater and something in the film is so separate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess at this point in time, imperialism was still cool with everyone. Yeah, because they, they go to the moon, they bump into the aliens, and the alien just, like, does a dance and approaches them, and they immediately murder it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but granted, if you touch the, the moonians, they do seem to just, like, explode in a Yeah, dust. like, a creature that weak, you can't really be blamed for killing it. <laughs> <laughs> Horton wouldn't agree with you. The Horton who heard a who. Um, <laughs> these aliens are more alien than some that we would see even later. It made me think a little bit of, like, the, the kappa in Japan. Like yeah, the, like I see the, that. Yeah, the or, um, creatures. The lizard man from Flash Gordon. Yeah. But you can still kind of see the human face underneath. <laughs> well, that's what we did. You know, we talked about Flash Gordon and the sets and the design. This, like, obviously it's of a very different vintage, but does seem to share some space with the 1980s Well, yeah, Flash it's Gordon. that the 1980s Flash Gordon did the same thing of, like, we don't care if it's real, we just want it to look funky. Yeah. So, like, their version of space is not how space works, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Which is definitely the case here as well. Yeah, the flat moon was definitely weird. I mean, that, that, that I don't know. I, I guess it's not a leap too far when you're making the very first science fiction film. I don't know if it was necessarily flat. Yeah, I just assumed it was because they fell off the edge. If you fall off yeah. the edge, it's, unless it's a realm. Like the I do like that when, and... to symbolize them hitting the moon, they had the moon with a face and the rocket hits it in the eye. <laughs> But then it cuts to the moon's surface, and obviously it's, that's not the scale we're operating at. But that is, that's the one image I've definitely seen before. Oh, that's one of the most famous images in film, basically. Yeah. I mean, half people, when you say the moon, even today, they'll probably have a quick flash of that. <laughs> um, At least people like us who get into sci-fi films. Yeah. A couple things they, they weirdly got right, too. Um, yeah, the shape of the rocket capsule was pretty much the Apollo capsule. Yeah, I mean... And, get into it differently but uh <laughs> yeah, yeah well yeah because it didn't have the rest of the rocket right it was just the capsule and then also they did a water landing when they came back of course they went straight to the bottom but, yeah, but then they floated back up yeah yeah they just landed with a bit more force i guess yeah they didn't think to use the parachute gus grissom landing i liked that the uh, fault. <laughs> they the the moon was more realistic looking than their underwater scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, any of the Earth scenes, really. We yeah. the houses and all that. So. <laughs> I guess because the moon, like, the fucking weirdness of it fit. <laughs> I 
So what kind of curio is this today? I mean, it is a curio, but... Yep. Ah. It's a pretty significant one. You do know the word curio. I used the word curio with Rob the other day, and he assumed it was a Britishism because he hadn't heard it. Oh, okay. But it's, it's not, I guess. He's just thick. Um, <laughs> I just don't feel like saying curiosity, right? So no, no, it's just, I, 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 he led me to believe that curio was not something you said in the Americas. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe you don't in Canada, but you can in, in the States. I don't know. I guess so. Maybe, maybe down south, we like to talk about them curios. <laughs> so curios but, sounds like a cereal when you say it in that accent. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some curios, I'm hungry. <laughs> no, I don't think I want to eat curios. <laughs> I'd eat them once. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try anything once. <laughs> um... Yeah, but watching this, I mean, watching any movie from our, pers- it's, it's still 2020 when we're recording, I'm not quite sure when I'm releasing this, but still 2020 now, so we're looking at 118, watching a 118-year-old anything at this point is, like, pretty bizarre. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, there is lo- no one alive from when this film was made. And yet we are seeing moving video of these people. Right. That is pretty weird. There might be some Tibetan masters we don't know about. But, I yeah. think the oldest person on Earth died recently and they were less than 118. You go into the Himalayas, you'll find some folks. I guess, yeah, they haven't touched civilization. That's yeah, what, they, how they, they, they don't get how they're alive. They haven't dealt with any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's one dude in China that was more or less confirmed to make it almost like to 200 years or something. Couldn't, all right, you're going to have to... But Tell he, me what you mean by confirmed. Well, as in, <laughs> he died, like, in the 1910s or 1920s, so it's in China. Right. So it's still, you know, like, not, like, not it's what... It's in China years, not... <laughs> well, it wouldn't be, like, what would be considered legit records today, right? right? That's, that's but there's people point. in the Bible who live for, like, 600 years, but... Yeah, 800, man. That's yeah. how people used to live, man. Before they were on their smartphones all day. But... <laughs> 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 I don't know. I mean, could this this movie has some childlike whimsy? But could you show it to a child without them just vomiting at the screen? I think you could. Yeah. Um. Apart from that opening shot that goes on too long. Yeah, yeah. Just just that put that one. Because actually, after that, the rest of it isn't paced that weirdly. Yeah, for for a movie made before editing was even a thing, it, it goes pretty smoothly past that first shot. <laughs> yeah, I think it's you would watch it for the. The oldness of it and the how different it was. Um, I don't think there's like you're not going to enjoy it as like an adventure or anything because like <laughs> King Kong. Well, thirty years is a long time, but King Kong is also very old. But you can watch that and enjoy it as a film. Well, then we have sound. We have edit. I mean, this is before like basically the vocabulary. Okay, this but, is um, creating part of the vocabulary. Okay, Metropolis. Mm. I can watch that and enjoy the film. Mm. It tells me a story. I like the characters. It. I, watched it i'm not getting any of that with this yeah i'm watching it because it's interesting to see something this old right it's a museum piece but i'm a guy who does like going to museums <laughs> so it's worth watching for those reasons and the, the images are st- I, the, the images are still artistically satisfying oh definitely yeah yeah yeah. so it's got that well, going there were museums with paintings as well yeah <laughs> it's a moving it's a moving painting it's a moving picture so, yeah so this is this is this is in the purest <laughs> form just a moving picture the what you're watching is, wow, look at these moving images. Mm. The fact that they kind of tell a story is secondary. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I guess we're, we're taking the film school approach today with a couple of dirty words sprinkled in more or less, which, you know, it's cool to do sometimes. Yeah, but that's that's Metal Sci-Fi Sanctuary for you right there. Film school with dirty words. I don't know. The, um, 
when they actually get like in the moon cave and meet some moon dudes, um, oh, the mushroom land. That was yeah, it goes dope. a bit Mario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything, everything's mushrooms all of a sudden. Except it would be like yeah, Mario you know. wraps people with his umbrella instead of jumping on them. Yeah, that so been, Princess Peach. But yeah, it would have been awesome if they jumped on. The, the... Yeah, if we got a shot of one of these old guys jumping on a lizard's head, then like. I'd be saying that Miyamoto definitely watched this. <laughs> As is, maybe not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're just going for a short squib. Uh, I mean, it's a 16-minute film, and we can't really talk about this much more in 16 minutes anyway, so... <laughs> I bet Yoshiaki Koizumi watched this, because he went to film school. I think if you go to film school, you have to watch this. Yeah. In Chenandalu, probably Metropolis, you know, all, all those sorts of things. <laughs> Um, so you had this on DVD. I assume people can just watch this on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube, but uh, I just happened to have that air. Right. I, I, I like the band air, so when it was like, oh. Yeah, maybe that exact cut isn't on YouTube because maybe the Yeah, you might, if you just something. YouTube it, it might be the black and white, it might be colors, it might be cut. I mean, this is before, like, even a film had, like, a proper soundtrack, as in there was a score that someone would play on the organ in the theater. It, like, predates even that. So they would just play whatever they fancied. <laughs> yeah, because Metropolis has a soundtrack, but someone had to play the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack is a book that comes with it. Right. (laughs) The sound book. But this has no sound. This is before books were a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to to double check that. (laughs) Citation needed. (laughs) Them dumb people in the past ain't got no books. Have you seen the the thing with Trump's tweets now? Was that? Basically every single one. Twitter just adds like... This is not true. Please check. <laughs> but is anything we say is like the real truth, man? Uh, the, the truth is what is decided by Mark Zuckerberg and Tom from Twitter. And, um, <laughs> Tom Jeff from Bezos. MySpace. Yeah, but the guy. Oh, I, I think the guy who runs Twitter is a Tom as well. Oh, okay. No, he's Jack. Jack Dorsey. Ah, Tom Cunt. from MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> What's his full name? Jack Dorsey. Cunt. <laughs> There's a comma there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But, uh, so you know what? This is the first podcast of 2021. Let's start things off right. Let's not. Be... If you meet Jeff Bezos, Jack Dorsey, or Mark Zuckerberg in the street, punch them. Punch them in the face. Punch them with a slight upwards motion so you send the nose in their bone through the back of their skull and kill them instantly. What if I just cough on them? Now it's 2021. People, it's all solved. Oh. As soon as the year clicks over, it's all gone, mate. It's all gone, people. Yeah, yeah. 2020 is bad, but then 2021 is fine. Everything's fixed. Yeah. Go out and shag a stranger. <laughs> I'm not sure that's good advice. <laughs> better than the advice I gave previously. <laughs> Go out and punch a stranger in the face. That's more Fight Club, I guess. But... Yeah. Oh, wasn't I meant to try saying that in like the first X amount of minutes to see if the algorithm picks up on it? Oh, oops. <laughs> We're too deep in now. <laughs> Yeah, they'll get fooled into thinking we're talking about George Millet's A Trip to the Moon. Anyway, every, anything I've said in this podcast is satire, but it's not. <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, that's the thing with satire, you never know. Mm. That's, well, that's the, it's the um, Schrodinger's douchebag. If you're offended, it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just have to pay attention for the, uh, the subliminal uh, NRA messages we include in every episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, and we just talked several minutes totally not about this film, so I guess we're finished. I think so, yeah. 
I think that's my new thing I'm going to do. I'm just going to be as horrible as I can on recordings to see if anyone's listening enough to actually reply to me. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, here I think about women and minorities. <laughs> and, I don't know. Where can people talk to us about women and minorities? If you've been affected by any of the issues in today's show, you can find us on Twitter at MLSFSPod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. Just search Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. I'm not going to do the other plugs. This is a, I was about to say, I was, was going to tell you you could probably finish there. So um, <laughs> I got my space gun. Our listener has their space gun. You're going to load yourself into the capsule and you're going to shoot your load into someone's eye. <laughs> Next week, The Highlander.